everyone. You're listening to Tobin Tuesdays brought to you by the Manitoban here on 101.5 UMFM. And I'm your host, Joe Gonzalez. A belated Happy New Year and welcome to 2019. Apologies for the hiatus, but let's get back to business. We have four stories to cover today, starting with the Wet'suwet'en protests, which occurred on January 9th at the Portage and Main intersection. We also spoke with Mohamed Soussi in regards to lobbying done back in December by the undergraduates of Canadian Research Intensive Universities, or UCRU, on a number of matters, one of which was to eliminate the federal tuition tax credit. We also spoke with University of Winnipeg Associate Professor Julie Nagum to talk about her solo exhibit, Locating the Little Heartbeats, currently on display at the University of Winnipeg's Gallery 1C03. And finally, we had a quick chat with U of M student Michelle Wuzaniski to talk about her award-winning paper titled Developing a Genotyping Scheme for Myobacterium Abscessus Complex Using Whole Genome Sequencing. Winnipeg protesters flooded the Portage and Main intersection on January 9th in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en land protectors in British Columbia. Members of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation have been protesting the planned coastal gasling pipeline, which would run through their territory by setting up checkpoints along the proposed pipeline. On January 7th, the RCMP set up a roadblock near one of the camps and arrested 14 people. Multiple reporters and protesters reported that communication signals, namely Wi-Fi, had been disrupted at the time of the arrests. By January 10th, a deal was reached with the RCMP that allowed construction crews to reach the site. While the nation's ban councils have approved it, hereditary chiefs in the area say they are still opposed to the pipeline. Protesters cite the high-risk impact on wildlife and wetlands in the area the $6.2 billion pipeline would cause. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was criticized for the RCMP's actions during a town hall in Kamloops, British Columbia on January 9th. He said he understood people's frustration and that the process would take time, adding that the current government has been doing, quote, a better job of, end quote, reconciliation efforts. In Winnipeg, protesters carried signs in support of the activists in BC and called on local politicians to condemn the pipeline. River Steel Gillis, a U of M student, said he came out to protest not just the invasion of the Wet'suwet'en territory, but all unsustainable pipelines being built. Our news and managing editor, Malak Abbas, spoke with him further on the matter. So why did you decide to come out this afternoon? With what's happening in Unistoten and with uh, uh, the Wet'suwet'en Nation, uh, we also have the Spirit of the Buffalo and there's Standing Rock and there's Energy East and there's the, the what is it, the Spirit Eagle they're trying to call it, Energy Eagle. There's all these different pipelines and there's all these different infrastructure developments that are unsustainable and frankly as we're harvesting the resources from this planet, the planet's throwing it right back at us with extreme weather patterns. This wet, this winter, the last couple winters for example, this is horrible. This is nothing like what it's supposed to be. There's a thing called ecological grief and there's a lot of our people who experiencing it. This last summer, I counted that there were, what was it, 13,000 trees have been, have been killed and taken down and cut up in this city in the last, since 2008. And it's things like that, yeah. What do you think Manitoba lawmakers can do here? I think with all provincial lawmakers, and this applies to every single province out there, it is up to them and it has been working on their sovereign jurisdiction and right to do something about this. That's why the provinces were formed in the first place. It's when federal jurisdiction was stepping on people's toes and it was inappropriate. It was doing things that we knew and we understood were devastating to our local communities. And we know the answer is local development, self-sufficiency, green energy. We have to be designing our cities to be just as full of people and as plants as it is as concrete and as, and as much as rebar. 
At the first board meeting since lobbying for students in Ottawa in early December, UMSU President Jacob Sanderson held a presentation explaining the priorities of the trip, some of which left some at the meeting feeling, quote, frustrated and disappointed, end quote. Sanderson, along with UMSU VP External Owen Black and Governance Research Advisor Kyle Hebert, spent December 3rd to the 6th lobbying members of Parliament with the Undergraduates of Canadian Research Intensive Universities, or UCRU, on several priorities, including increasing support to Indigenous students, expanding Canadian Undergraduate Student Research Awards, and eliminating the tuition tax credit. UCRU is a collective of research universities that advocates for students from eight student unions across Canada. The UMSU executives in attendance advocated in support of ending the federal tuition tax credit, estimated at $1.5 billion by UCRU, and instead recommended the Canadian government reallocate the funds to the Canadian Student Grant Program. At the meeting, Sanderson called this, quote, maybe our most notable task, end quote, and said the goal is to provide financial relief to low-income students. Further, he said, quote, the issue with the tuition tax credit is that a lot of people don't know about it, and so a lot of them end up not being claimed, or sometimes are claimed by a parent or guardian, or funds are not claimed until a long time after graduation. The most consistent users of the tuition tax credit are generally those in high-income brackets, and a lot of the time those in lower-income brackets don't have the income that's taxable, so they can't really take advantage of the tax credit. Or a lot of the time people that have lower income are people that don't have accountants, don't have access to the information that people need to take advantage of the tax credit system." End quote. The Canada Student Grant Program provides non-repayable funding to both full- and part-time students with assessed financial needs. Quote, so that money can be used upfront by students rather than being used later in the form of a tax credit, end quote. Mohamed Soussi, the Muslim Student Association external executive who was in attendance as a student at large at the board meeting, said that as a student who relies on the tax credit, he is concerned students were not properly consulted by UMSU on what it lobbied for in Ottawa. Our news and managing editor, Malak Abbas, spoke with Mohamed in regards to the matter. So when I first heard when Jacob was listing his five mandates, uh, one of whom included the tax tuition rebate, um, I questioned where exactly the idea first came to him. As mm -hmm. you know, uh, many have heard in the room, I did question um, who, who, who gave you the idea, whether it was simply him, whether it was a student body, whether it was a student uh, board, whether it was a board of directors, or if it was just him with the other executives at UCRU. Um, and when he told me um, that it was a decision that he made as a representative of the students and as well as the student board who did not give any suggestions, mind you, I did, I did inquire afterwards and they have confirmed to me that the student body did not give them any ideas. It was the student body didn't give the board any ideas? No, 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 it was the board. Sorry. They didn't even ask the student body, as is yeah. obvious. Um, it was the board when they did question, I think it was back in November, um, they did bring it up. Um, the student board did not give any suggestions, so thus I made the conclusion that it was, in fact, um, Jacob who came up with that idea and or uh, the other executives at UCRU. Now, the issue I had with that is while the University of Manitoba has a diverse group of students, many of whom include low um, to middle class you know, income students who actually do utilize the tuition tax credit rebate, such as myself. I'm not anywhere near rich, you know, I'm not, you know, wealthy, I don't drive around in a Mercedes, anything like that, no, I take the bus to school, you know what I mean, like any mm -hmm. other person, I live with my parents, you know what I mean, this tuition tax rebate actually helps me, you know, and, and not in the way that, oh, it definitely relieves my burden, it's just a little bit that can just, at the end of the year, receive, you know, whether it is a few hundred dollars to even a thousand, where it's just like, the government gives me back what is owed to me because of the amount of money that I spend, which is incredibly expensive 
um, when it comes to educational you know costs. Now Jacob made the argument um, that it was not utilized properly or that the 1.2 billion dollars was not used by everyone and that it should only go to grants as scholarships which is only used by low-income students. I'm not low income, unfortunately. You know, I have middle class parents who make literally slightly above 100000 Okay, that's about it. I'm nowhere near rich. My parents have a mortgage to pay. You know, we have two cars. You know, I'm the most normal basic family you could ever imagine. And so for me, I was slightly, um, not, I was frustrated and disappointed when he did say first that he knew what was best and that he was looking out for the best interests when he truly was, in, in a sense, excluding the middle class um, student body at large uh, in the entire university in favor of the low-income students. Now, I have nothing against them. <laughs> Please don't, don't get the wrong idea. I, I am 100% for um, affordable education. I've been a strong advocate for it. But to simply discard you know, an entire class range in favor of another one for me is not the best solution to look for um, affordable education. It's not the right step and it's not the direction we should be heading. Do you think if this was to if they were to successfully lobby this, mm -hmm. like how would it affect your life? I guess I should. I pay for my own tuition, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, have, I pay for my own transportation, everything, gas, mm -hmm. you know, money, whatever, whatever it is, I handle the rest. They simply give me a roof over my head and for that I'm appreciative. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it goes a long way for sure. But these tax credits actually help. In the sense that it alleviates, of course, as we've uh, unfortunately heard, they removed, um, I think it was as, as soon as the uh, federal government got into power, they removed the uh, textbook yep. uh, tax credits. And then the, fed, uh, the provincial government also removed their own rebates as a way to cost savings measures. Um, so that only left the federal government. And in a sense, as a student who has you know, very low income, you know, at the end of the day, I work over the summer and a bit during the year, and that's about it. I don't have much you know, in income to get in. So this tax credit actually helps me budget properly um, and, and also um, plan for the future. Uh -huh. So I have very minimum sa minimal savings, um, but these tax credits actually help me offset that so that I can still plan for the future at the same time not get into debt. Debt has always been at the top of my mind. It is always something I'm worried about. It's something my parents are worried about. Unfortunately, they cannot afford my tuition. I have to pay for it myself. So it's something that I took you know, I bear the responsibility of. These tax credits help me make sure that I never fall into the never-ending hole of debt because I, I'm, as is, I'm sure there's millions of stories out there of people who unfortunately got into debt at an early um, start in their, in their academic career and it just spired out of control and I have no interest in falling into that. And so for me, it was hurtful it truly was because I, I actually found it very disappointing. And, and again, I said that word before, but it, I did get a bit ticked off um, emotionally that Jacob would say that it was for affordable education. That is the opposite of affordable education in my view. To take away money from somebody and tell them this is for affordable education is, it does not sit well with me at all. How familiar would you say you are with you, crew? Uh, not at all. Um, I've been to all the meetings of which it was mentioned, two of whom were mentioned, only two out of all the meetings. Only like two meetings mentioned. Two meetings have, been, have mentioned you, crew, and that's about it. I have never heard of you, crew, outside of those meetings. I've never seen any other advertisement of you, crew, uh, at UC. 
I have, I highly doubt any of the student body at large has any idea that Yukru even exists or that we're even part of him. I don't even think any of them knew that Jacob actually went to Ontario and actually lobbied. I don't think anyone is actually up to date about anything of the actions of our own elected officials other than this student board of directors, mm-hmm. which for me is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, are, were you aware at all that... Uh reallocating the tuition tax credit is actually a goal of Ucru's lobbying, right? Like, it's it's not... Uh, I, have, I mean, technically, it's also UMSU's mm-hmm, goal, absolutely. but it's originally Ucru's. Right. I had no idea about that. In fact, I, again, like I said, I have no idea about Ucru's mandates. I have no idea where they came from. I have no idea who came up with it. Um, I had no idea Ucru existed until Jacob actually at the meeting said, hey, we're part of Ucru, by the way. For me, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Could you elaborate? Mm-hmm. And he didn't give a mandate until you know the day where he did explain what he did at Ottawa. And for me, that was a complete shock because I had no idea what was going on. Completely in the dark. Okay. Um, is there anything I missed that you feel would be prudent to say? Not necessarily. I think I've said what was needed to be said. I again. I sympathize, sympathize with Amsu. I want that to be clear. I have nothing against it. This is certainly not a vendetta. Um, I'm very good friends with many of the executives, and I'm very close with uh, one of them, who's a good friend of mine. Um, but it, I sympathize that you know maybe there was a time constraint, or that there isn't much they can do when it comes to over you know out doing an outreach because Ucru is in fact uh, doesn't have a budget as far as I can understand so they cannot afford tabling or something but well, I tr- does. I'm, well I'm sure of course does so for me <laughs> that's what one of my, my one of my critiques or feedbacks that I did give to Jacob at the meeting I said this is absolutely unacceptable um, that it, most students have no idea about that and that there's no outreach the fact that no one knows we're part of it and how I don't think people know it even exists and for you to say, oh, we're elected officials, don't worry, we'll handle it, for me, that's just, that, that doesn't sit well for me. University of Winnipeg Associate Professor Julie Nagam's first Winnipeg solo exhibit titled Locating the Little Heartbeats is currently on showcase at the University of Winnipeg's Gallery 1C03 until February 16th. Her multimedia art installations are often constructed around themes of sustainability and environmentalist art. In Moving Nature Indoors, Nagam attempts to bring the land into the limelight as a keeper of knowledge. Our arts and culture reporter Amin Montaziri spoke with Julie to talk about the inspiration and what the exhibit means to her. My name is Julie Nagam. I'm the chair of the History of Indigenous Arts in North America, which is a joint position between the University of Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And I'm associate professor in um, the Department of History. Well, great to have you here. Uh, um, could you start with your talk about your inspiration for environmentalist art? Sure, I would say that uh, a lot of my work tends to be land-based or thinking a lot about that relationship to land. And for me, I think a lot about, you know, all those, all the kind of um, knowledge that the land actually keeps. So whether the land actually has a memory and is an archive of thousands and thousands of years of people interacting with it. And it also has the opportunity to heal us or shift us or change where we're going into the future if we bothered to listen to it. So you think the land has its own frequency or vibrations that, that are passed on to us? Well, lots of us believe that the land's living. So um, for me, I think it is living. It has knowledge and memory. 
and it actually has the ability to constantly reinvent itself and heal itself depending on what kind of catastrophes actually happen. So if we look to it as a source of knowledge as opposed to something we want to control or dominate or uh, constantly, you know, uh, throw more cities over top of and more people into, um, if we actually looked at it as a source or as an opportunity for learning and knowledge, it might actually shift the way we see as a society. Um, my second question is, um, what messages do you think are, are, are you trying to convey through the, uh, this exhibition to your audience? So for me, uh, the exhibition, Locating the Little Heartbeats, was thinking about these small little plants that live within us all the time and we kind of walk by or walk over or walk on totally unaware of the ability that they have. So like uh, some of the plants have the ability to either cure or help diabetes, Alzheimer's, um, bladder infections, menstrual cramps, colic in babies, um, you know, just as a tea for a sedative or relaxation. You know, there's so many aspects to plants that we still haven't even really totally discovered understood. Yet. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say discovered, but right. understood. Right. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and heart, uh, little heartbeats, what do you mean by that? So for me, I think just what I was saying about the that the that the land is living, so are the little plants. And so, you know, these little plants have so much to offer and give us, and if we treated them more like little entities with little hearts or little people, you know, whatever, you, however you want to describe it, that they're kind of living, breathing entities, that we would actually respect them and have a better relationship with them. And I think that that could benefit our kind of uh, path of us going on to environmental, dis like, destruction, right? So you think... Uh, this kind of recognition it helps with sustainability for sure absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, my second other question is um, how important do you think is art in the in the perspective of activism well for me art is the catalyst for social change you know you can't um, you know you can you can have so much more constructive dialogues around visual culture than you can a talking head an article or um, uh, even, um, you know, events that are trying to, you know, be politically strong. Um, art can take those events, transform it visually or uh, performance-wise, and really melt people into thinking about, the, you know, the, the, the issues that are there. So um, I always use this example of like, you know, one of the first contemporary artworks I've seen was Robert Gould's work on the Sandy Bay uh, Residential School um, series that he did, but the first painting that he did was at the Winnipeg Art Gallery in the late 90s, uh, part of his show, Sovereignty Over Subjectivity. And um, when I first looked at that painting, I didn't actually know immediately that it was about residential school, but I started to cry, and I felt that strong emotion of like memory and pain and all that stuff. And then when I turned to the right to read the text, I realized that it was about um, the residential school he attended. So for me, um, you know, the same with um, some of the work, like I created the work called Electrical Currents that's um, downtown at the, um, uh, this place, the art park. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot about electricity and consumption and thinking about how um, we contribute to that. And so I think that, you know, that kind of art can invoke a conversation that, you know, that me, you know, protesting Manitoba Hydro or like, 
being frustrated by a certain thing can kind of spark different kinds of dialogues and it can open up minds that aren't necessarily willing or as apt to be open. <laughs> Sometimes they need to see it or experience it or um, see it through a different avenue as opposed to it being confrontational. But that being said, art can also be confrontational. <laughs> yeah. And um, so this is my last question. Using sounds and uh, visual senses, like this idea of a multi-sensory solo exhibition, where did that come from? A lot of my past work is, um, is uh, what's the word, uh, my body, you, know, um, you said multi-central, but that's not the word I want, um, immersive. So a lot of the work that I do has an immersive quality to it. And so for me, I want you to come into the space and feel like you're immersed into nature. That's what I actually felt. Yeah, good. That's that's successful. Then, so each work, so there's five different uh, light boxes, and each box has a different plant. So there's blueberry, bearberry, Labrador tea, fireweed, and what am I forgetting? (coughs) Oh, uh, tobacco root. And so I picked plants that I was drawn to or that I had some sort of relationship to. So each plant is hand-drawn, painted, and then um, painted out in 200 frames at least, and then photographed in those frames of, and then that gives the effect of it living and dying. And, and basically then it gets digitally transferred, the painting gets digitally transferred into an animation. Oh, so that's part of how the land can heal itself. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That's so, and the sound is all 360 binaural mics. So, just recordings of um, areas around here that I've just taken over the last bit. So. Especially in this winter time, it gives you a taste of spring and growth. And yeah, the, although there's some snow crunching in there, if you listen closely, you can hear the mm. of like moving through that white stuff. <laughs> yeah. And did you pick each sound specific for this event? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm really happy, this is brand new work. I've never, um, and it's the first time having a solo exhibition here in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So, it's exciting. Well, yeah. best of luck. Yeah, thank you so much for- Thank, thank you. Yeah. The final issue of 2018 of the Proceedings of Manitoba's Undergraduate Science and Engineering Research Journal has been released, and U of M student Michelle Wuzaniski has received the year's Best Paper Award for her research on distinguishing subspecies of a pathogenic bacteria. Wuzaniski, a fourth-year microbiology honors student, won for her paper titled Developing a Genotyping Scheme for Myobacterium Abscessus Complex Using Whole Genome Sequencing Data. The paper looks to support current methods of multi-locus sequence typing using the data from all of the bacteria's DNA. Whole genomes. Our news and managing editor, Malak Abbas, had a quick chat with Michelle to talk about her paper. Um, so basically, a way that they use to type bacteria, it's called multi-locus sequence typing. So they take a few genes, and then every time there's like one base pair mutation in that gene, a new allele is created. Okay. And then they're typed based on like the different combinations of alleles they'll have. So it's like their multi-locus sequence type. So like allele 6 for this gene and allele 5 for this gene will be this sequence type. So it's a way of tracking like pathogenicity or outbreaks. So if the same bacteria in an outbreak has the same pattern, that's how they type them. Okay. But since we have access to whole genome sequencing now, which is a lot more information, what I did was creating created a scheme using whole genome data. Okay. So it basically just uses more data. Was this your first time submitting with PM users? Yes. Do you 
were you aware of it beforehand or like um, how do you come to well I'm in the co-op program which is what I did that project through it's okay. like my co-op work term and the coordinator sent an email out saying hey you should submit your work term report to this okay. and I was like it's already written mine as well yeah yeah okay uh what's uh like, where are you currently in your studies at the U of M? I'm in my fourth year, and then I have one year left. Okay. And I'm not sure if it says it in here. What we, what's your, like, your formal, like, degree title? Uh, honors in microbiology. Okay. Um, what, I guess, what kind of, uh, now that you've, you know, you've won this, and you have an award-winning paper, and a Publish we'll journal. <laughs> what's what's what are your plans now for the future? Like? Uh, I'm probably gonna go on to a master's degree. Uh, I'm not sure where or what, mm-hmm. but that's my that's the next step I have planned. Okay. And nothing past that. <laughs> um, what are you working on now? I'm just in school right now. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more co-op work term to do, so I'll probably do one more research project in my undergrad. And that should do it for this week's episode of Tobin Tuesdays brought to you by the Manitoban here on 101.5 UMFM. Once again, the interviews you heard today were provided by Malaka Bas and Amin Montaziri. The intro and transition music was produced by Kenny Ingram. And the entire episode was hosted and produced by me, Joe Gonzalez. A reminder that all interviews and stories you heard today are available in this week's issue of the Manitoban, available on newsstands tomorrow, as well as online in the coming days. Also another reminder that we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Search for Tobin Tuesdays to catch up on an old episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a future one. On behalf of the Manitoban, we thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next week. Peace.